0: Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. A lot of people want to get into flipping houses. But there are areas that you can get into trouble when you flip. Do you know what those are? Today's guest can answer that real estate question. He's the principal attorney at Lynch Law Group in Annapolis, Maryland. And as an attorney, he helps people in all areas of real estate every day, including title insurance claim defense, trust and estate planning, and probate administration. He gives seminars on all sorts of real estate-related topics such as the ethics of flipping and title insurance policies, and has authored many publications such as Flipping Real Estate, The HUD Response. It's my honor to introduce my guest, attorney Mark Lynch. Welcome, Mark.
1: Patty, it's such a pleasure to join you.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited about this topic today because we're really going to help a lot of people that are thinking about doing flips. They see a lot of these TV shows and they wanna get in the market and become a flipper themselves. So what are, I'm really curious, what are the main things that you see people get into trouble when they start getting into flipping and don't know what they're doing?
1: You know, I'm a devotee of those same shows too, that I watch HGTV and I see those flipping shows and sometimes I kind of scratch my head because it does give the impression that it's really a no problem area of real estate where you can just make a lot of money very quickly. And that is true, but there's an old saying in real estate, which we used to use in underwriting, and that saying was that flipping is not illegal, but illegal flipping is illegal. <laughs> and yeah. what, that, what that means is that a traditional flip is really the American dream. You find, typically, a distressed property, or perhaps a seller that needs help or can't afford their current mortgage and wants to get out. Uh, But they don't have the economic means to improve their property to list it for sale. So on those distressed properties, typically uh, it's the old adage of buy low, sell high. And a traditional flip is you get essentially a good deal on the acquisition of property. You rehab it to bring it up to market standards and then you resell it at a profit. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that business model, and it will ultimately work. Where people go foul, a foul of the law or a foul of the ethics of flipping is they try to cut corners. And you know as well as I do, Patty, that when you cut corners in real estate, it's bound to lead down a bad trail.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so absolutely. So what, when you say cut corners, what are you specifically referring to?
1: Great question. Well, typically the the first misstep is, is the concept of buying the property and in real estate flippers have tortured that version of buying real estate. And what that means is they never actually acquire title. They have a contract of purchase. But they attempt never to acquire the record title because, frankly, they don't want to pay the transfer and recordation taxes. They do rehab the property while the seller is still residing in it or shortly after they move out. And then in the ultimate flip, they try to use the purchaser's new funds both to pay off the acquisition to the seller and make a profit. And over the years, uh, lenders have finally figured out that that dual flipping is both a regulatory problem as well as an ethical problem.
0: Well, if someone wants to do that, and they were doing what you were just talking about, then would, are they, are they typically people that then would approach a seller and say, hey, I'm going to do, because obviously they're going to do all the work to the property, and they're going to be spending money on it, but not legally own it. Do they do some kind of paperwork on the side? Why, why would they even want to take that risk uh, without owning it?
1: Well, that's exactly what happens. And you know the the old adage in real estate, and it's been true throughout real estate that when you have a contract of purchase and submit that financing to the lender, sometimes the lender doesn't get all of the addendums. Now, sometimes it's oversight. Sometimes it is just inadvertent. But unfortunately, in the flipping scenario, there are essentially side deals that flippers try to engage with the sellers. But you know that there's a problem when the owner of the property never knows what the resale price is. In other words, the investor might say, I will pay you $100,000 for your title to this property on a property that's theoretically worth $200,000, but the seller never knows the amount of profit that the flipper will make, and that is a critical problem because then. The title is damaged because the original seller can always file suit, and believe me, they filed suit by the thousands to set aside the ultimate purchase by the, the new homeowner. And bear in mind that the new homeowner that's buying this flip property has no idea of what the underlying contractual relationship is between the owner and the flipper. The flipper becomes a, a an intermediary
0: so the buyer, when that happens in these cases, do what happens to the buyer do the buyers end up getting the home, or that just it becomes a big litigation mess, and the buyers don't even get to buy the house
1: Well, what generally happens is uh, for these undisclosed side deals, uh, the new couple, the freshly scrubbed homeowner that maybe this is their first house. They do wind up with title to the property. They get a title insurance policy that's issued to them guaranteeing that they own this property. And then a few months down the line, because the internet has made this information available, sometimes the former owner will punch in the sales address of the property and say, hey, you know what, I got 100,000 out of this, but my house sold for 325. They file suit to attack the sale and it becomes a horrific litigation matter Uh, typically in Maryland and thankfully in Maryland because of title insurance uh, the title of the new homeowner is never lost but other people pay a whole lot of money on that loss like title insurance companies settlement agents who participated in this type of transaction so there's a lot of damages that are paid to make that seller whole
0: So you see, you personally see a lot of these cases?
1: Well, actually, I filed many of them and defended many of them. They were largely prevalent in uh, kind of the go-go period before 2008 when the market crashed. But the significant part of it was that This type of flipping drew attention by the federal government and the Federal Housing Administration, the FHA, which has been the traditional source of financing for especially first-time homeowners. And because flipping was such an economic disaster – so many people and the litigation costs were so high, FHA stepped in and for flipped properties, they enacted some very specific guidelines so that you couldn't get an FHA loan on a property that was in the process of being flipped. And that helped depress those number of lawsuits.
0: Well, I can <clears throat> I can remember back, you know, after the crash of the market in 08, I can remember there this being uh, a lot of attention uh, for flipping and new rules being put into place. And then all of a sudden you if you were going to purchase a property, uh, you would have to wait at least six months before you could sell the property and it might have even been longer. If, I, I'm not I'm not sure if that's still the case or are there regulations now as far as how long you have to hold a property before you could sell it?
1: You have an amazing memory, Patty. (laughs) Uh, My husband
0: wouldn't say that. (laughs)
1: Well, I dimly remember 2008, uh, (laughs) but you're exactly correct. The original FHA regulations came in in 2005, and that's exactly the criteria they put on it. They felt that if the property that was the subject of the new own had not been owned for less than 180 days or six months – that we really needed to get a more careful look at that. And they required specifically not only just the one-time FHA inspection, but additional inspections to make sure that the work that was attributable to the inflated value had in fact been done. And a lot of times flippers cut corner with a little paint and putty, and didn't actually do the structural changes necessary for value. So within that 180 days, uh, if you pass those inspections, it could bear uh, an FHA loan. But most significantly out of that legislation, if you owned it for less than 90 days, you couldn't get an FHA loan because the government felt that, you know what, if this property on a distress basis is worth $100,000, and your new loan amount is for four twenty five, then magically it just didn't increase in value. These are pretty specific structural improvements that increase value. And they wanted to absolutely make sure, not only for their own protection, but for the benefit of the FHA buyer that they were in fact done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And well, that that helped eliminate some of the problems.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine. And and I can tell you I still see uh, on occasion some properties where it'll be usually a foreclosure. Uh, now I know foreclosures can be owned by banks, they can be owned by investment groups and bundles of different things that are sold to companies or, or you know, business owners, and then they sell them and they're doing exactly what you're talking about. Where I, I, I know of one that I can think of that they, the title was never transferred to the quote-unquote owner of the property, and it it was a foreclosure. It was an REO property, uh, a real estate-owned property. So it's still happening, that's for sure.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. And I I think the essence of the problem is that when you talk about flipping, uh, the obvious motivation is to make money on it. But where flippers go afoul is, how much money do you want to make on it? For example, if... A traditional legal flip where you find a distressed property like foreclosure, which you can get a great deal on, let's say you buy a distressed property at $100,000, which in fairness is maybe $50,000 below current fair market value. If you buy that property at $100,000, you go to a bank, you get a loan, you record it, you're the record holder, you actually do maybe ten to 15,000 of improvements, you're still going to make a dramatic profit. Not as much as the flipper that cuts all the corners and takes the dramatic risk, but the successful flippers are committed to doing the work and making a reasonable profit on every house. Hmm.
0: <clears throat> well, and if they waited even just twelve months, which may sound like a long time, but then they would reduce their 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 capital gain so significantly.
1: Yeah, and there are long term flippers that take into account those federal tax consequences of flipping because you're exactly right. You're not going to get the residential exemption from taxation uh, because it's not your principal residence. Uh, Which brings up another point. I I unfortunately have, or fortunately, have done probably 10,000 closings in my lifetime. And I've never been more amazed that I will get a prospective flipper at the settlement table who, uh, on the the loan application, says that this property is their principal residence. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are
1: extraordinarily wealthy people. And I say, Well, congratulations, Mr. Smith. I didn't realize that you were moving into a distressed property a <laughs> yeah. hundred and fifty miles from your McMansion.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. In in downtown Baltimore somewhere, right? <laughs> and,
1: exactly. And the the cautionary note on that is, although we can laugh about it as we talk about it, if you're a real if you're a real estate closing agent and you notice that and you don't say anything, you better get ready to be named as a defendant
0: in oh, a potential
1: lawsuit because, think about it, you're facilitating that fraud, and it is fraud.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, it seems to me, and believe me, I've seen that many times over the years, I suspect that that is the case. So, I, I you know, is that something that all, really all entities, all, all different um people involved in real estate, whether it be the lender, uh, the settlement attorney, the realtor could all be liable if you know for sure uh, that somebody is is like, for example, that right there where they're saying this is a, um, you know, a second home or a principal residence when it's an investment property.
1: You know, that's, that is also a great question. And I, I love that question because is a real estate agent, Potentially liable to the same degree as the settlement agent? My answer has always been that you have to break down what your role in the transaction is. The reason a settlement agent is potentially liable is they're the agent of the lender. Well, the real estate agent isn't. So, you know, I don't view the potential culpability of a real estate agent to the same dramatic degree as the settlement agent. But unfortunately, in the shotgun approach of litigation, it's always possible that an, a real estate agent will be named.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what are the um, types of specific, uh, re- you know, different types of regulations that are specifically targeted to flips? like whether they be state or, or HUD regulations? What types are there?
1: Maryland has been very... Proactive, uh, especially after the mortgage meltdown of 2008, to enact specific predatory contract uh, legislation that was targeting specifically flipping, um, secret acquisitions of title. And there are horrific civil penalties for using essentially the flipping contracts that were so, so very prevalent. Um, I think the flipping community has learned a dramatic lesson. Most of the people that were using those predatory contracts have kind of disappeared. One of the reasons that they've disappeared wasn't so much that they suddenly became ethical and honest, but it was really market conditions. Interest rate dropped. You could get legitimate investment loans without taking the risk of cutting corners. You will see if interest rates increase, these predatory types of contractual relationships coming back because investors will try to cut corners. Now, you can get construction money at reasonable rates. You can get investment loans at reasonable rates. Mm-hmm. So as long as the economy is stable, both for flippers and first-time home buyers, frankly, you won't see the number of problems that you've seen in the past
0: yeah that's very true. Uh, I just uh bought a investment property and I got a five point five percent interest rate which of course sounds so high today because it is an investment property and and uh, I had to put twenty five percent down so it's a whole different you know uh, type of thing than it would be for a you know typical uh, even a second home or certainly your primary residence but you know you're right once those interest rates if they keep going up which is probably going to be the case. It's it's definitely going to mean a lot more people trying to not pay um, at least, you know, uh, the different taxes, transfer taxes, recordation taxes, and things like that for t- transferring title.
1: You know, tragically, it has always seemed that people get a whole lot more honest when it's easier to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> <And> I'm not <laughs> sure why that's true, but on your point, too. I Not to sound tragically uh, old, but when I bought my first house my the interest rate was seventeen percent and I felt lucky to get it.
0: Mhm No, I've heard those stories many times, and my my first home, the interest rate was nine and a half, which was a bargain compared to seventeen but uh but still astronomical when you think about today's interest rates so you know, that it's all, I guess, in, uh, in your perspective <laughs> or, or but, your rearview mirror.
1: <laughs> exactly right. But to bring your question full circle as to real estate agents, what, you know, what I always recommend to real estate agents, if you want to really insulate yourself from liability and going back to your question about, well, you know what, this couldn't possibly be this buyer's principal residence, tell the settlement agent so that you have actual proof that you at least inform the settlement agent who is the agent of the funding lender that you know you have some concerns that this may or may not actually be factually true if the settlement agent doesn't share that with the lender at least the agent has proof that they rang the bell at some level in the process and I think that could effectively ensure you against potential liability.
0: Well, and the good thing too is, and it used to be the case years ago, not so, at least in this area, um, but not so much anymore, that we would get, realtors would get, so much of the financial information from our buyers and there would be these sheets and they would fill them out and we'd know how much they made and we we'd know all kinds of information about their financial snapshot but those days are over that that all goes to lender I don't I don't typically know couldn't tell you how much uh any particular buyer that I'm working with makes what they're earning per year and you know unless I were to ask them and I don't so I mean it's it, that is different so probably it does keep the a little more distance um, with the realtors as far as their responsibility with knowing that type of information probably. But I guess you're still could be, you still got to be careful.
1: Exactly. And I, you know, the, I, I must also say that uh, real estate agents have um, your governing authorities have done a great job in protecting you because if you look at the board of realtors contract, The clause indicates that if there's any litigation between the buyer and the seller that the realtor is drawn into, uh, that unless they're successful against the agent, uh, the litigating party has to pay to defend the real estate agent.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that. It's and I always say, you know, our our contract, as you know, in Maryland is a is about forty pages, give or take, depending on how many addendums you have. But it, it, I always tell the buyers and sellers as I'm presenting contracts that, well, for every paragraph, that, that just means a whole bunch of people sued, and that's why it's in there.
1: <laughs> Actually, know? that that's exactly
0: the reason. <laughs> you know, I mean, when I when I get to the paragraph in the purchase contract that talks about sexual predators and that it's on you as the buyer to go on this website and check out all the neighbors because you later can't sue the the previous owner because they didn't disclose that the next door neighbor you know was a registered pedophile i mean you know there was a bunch of lawsuits over that
1: no question (laughs) no question
0: (laughs) i mean it's kind of sad actually but i guess that's just the uh litigious society that we all live in these days but I, i wanted to ask you um mark about the uh, I know you also wrote a publication that I, I found interesting. This that's called "Will IRS Knock on Your Door: The Fraud Epidemic." Can you tell us a little bit about that publication?
1: Absolutely, and, and you know it's probably pretty timely because I, all Americans just suffered the annual anxiety of filing their federal income taxes. Uh, luckily, this year we got a couple extra days until the seventeenth, um, but. The concept of IRS knocking on your door, a couple of background facts. When you file your income taxes today or April 15, 2018, uh, you have the lowest possibility of being audited uh, in the last 15 years. Uh, And that's attributable to budget considerations from IRS. So the risk of audit is very low. But having said that, um, the likelihood that IRS may stumble upon information, especially about a related capital sale of a capital asset, most people get a notification from IRS some years after the fact that, oh, well, wait a second, didn't you sell some property in Maryland some four years ago? And how we've reacted to that from a tax standpoint is uh, flippers, amazingly enough, felt that because they never took title and they only had a contract which they were assigning, whether they got $2,000 or $30,000, they felt and they induced settlement agents never to report that transaction to IRS on a 1099. Now, as you know, in real estate for many years now, every settlement agent is obligated to report to IRS the sales of real property. And there is about a three and a half year lag for those real estate 1099s to be matched up with the taxpayer. So. Illegal flippers, it doesn't matter whether you receive $20,000 from what you call as a contractual assignment or a sale of recorded property, it's still income to you and it's still capital gain. So a lot of the flippers who fancy themselves as contract experts and said, well, you know what, (laughs) I never took title to it. I just assigned some paper. (laughs) I did get 85000 for it, but IRS doesn't know, and I'm certainly not going to volunteer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, settlement agents uh, knew that even those types of transactions were reportable. So those investors got caught, not immediately, but some three to four years after the fact. And that remember, it's not only the original capital gains, but it's three to four years worth of interest penalties and a lot of other fees that can inflate that indebtedness. And the bottom line in all of this is you don't want IRS or the comptroller in Maryland reviewing your taxes for any reason, and you certainly shouldn't give them a reason to troll through your records.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> now, when you're talking about that, it it reminds me uh, of the two paragraphs in the Maryland uh, purchase contract that uh, one of it, one of the um, paragraphs talks about that this contract cannot be assigned to anyone else. And, you know, all the times that I presented that contract, the contract, I've never really thought about it till just today. In talking to you about why that's so important and why that's in there is now all making very much sense. And the the paragraph that follows that talks about that um, that there's nothing on the side that, that we're not discussing. That this is the entire contract. There's you know nothing on the side. So exactly what you were talking about before, where oh they failed to you know enclose uh, some addendums or include some addendums to the lender
1: that's exactly the the origins of that clause that and as we talked about a little bit at the beginning of those this chat that um, a lot of those uh, regulations and contractual clauses came about because of very specific transactions that result in litigation loss of property questionable titles and federal and state regulations so um, it, it it is a myth, and it has always been a myth, that assignments of contract, if you receive monetary gain, are not taxable income to you. I, I don't know where flippers came up with that concept, but but hmm. they tried it and failed.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like what I'm hearing in, in kind of breaking it down is that uh, you really have to be really honest uh, that's that's the bottom line where people get into trouble in flipping is they're not honest they're not uh, they're trying to uh to to not pay taxes or trying to you know not do things the, the right way to avoid some fees
1: well exactly i mean I, I used to give speeches all over the country in california and um uh, Texas and New York about these issues too and you know I used to say at the end of the lecture I said if you really want to determine whether this contract is illegal or potentially illegal, pretend you're presenting the specifics of this contract to your mother. And if your mother looks at you and just shakes her head then you know that something's wrong. I mean, if you verbalize and put yourself in the position of these parties, would you want someone to do that to you? I mean, if you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach that, you know, something's not right here, then you're absolutely right. Something's not right here. But not to, to frighten people away from it. There is absolutely nothing wrong with flipping. No, as long you, as you do it correctly.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of that old saying too. You know, you know what's the right thing when it's the hard thing to do. <laughs>
1: right? Actually very well said. That's true.
0: <laughs> so, but there there is a lot of money to be made in flipping, like you said, if you do it correctly and you do it honestly, there's still plenty of plenty out there plenty of profit in these properties and in fact um, you know just kind of a side note my uh, I tell clients all the time my favorite properties to look for to tell people to look for to to flip are really uh, properties that say have an unfinished basement maybe especially if they have a rough in already how terrific and and it's a it's a bed you know say a house that only has one or one and a half full you know baths like one full bath and a half bath or just one full bath if you take a house just from appraisal standpoint you add another full bath when it only had one that greatly improves the value of a home so from appraisal stand standards and as and as well as you know what buyers are going to pay for it so um, that, that's a really good, uh, type of property to look for. And there's lots of other things. Very dated homes are great, uh, where maybe they're, they just are ugly because they're just so outdated. And so, uh, you know, maybe cosmetically they're just very unattractive, but at the same time they're, you know, solid homes that you can really update, fix up and, and really, you know, buyers are going to really like that and pay a premium for it. So. Patty,
1: Patty, that's such great advice because I think you really seized on the key of it that when you find properties like that with an unfinished basement, if you made it an in-law apartment or added a bedroom or added a bath, that dramatically increases the value. And if you notice, too, when you watch HGTV, which my wife has locked our television set on this channel. <laughs> we're not eligible to watch anything else. <laughs> You'll notice that the successful flippers on there are actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. And what I mean on, by that is flippers tend, if, if you have no building skills and you don't know a hammer from a wrench and you have to hire contractors, you're not going to make near as much money as doing a lot of the equity work yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. That's Sweat, where sweat the, equity. <laughs> sweat
1: equity is where the actual profit is and that in conjunction with Readily available financing at reasonable costs. If you can get the work done, cut down the the expertise of the people rehabbing the house. That's where the real successful flipping comes in.
0: Well, I tell you what, you you just uh, have been a wonderful guest to have on, Mark. And I, before I close, I do want to uh, mention that you are running for the Register of Wills in Calvert County, Maryland, and I and I do also want to mention that. Uh, When I did your intro, I could have spent all day, you know, with the alphabet soup of your education (laughs) and all of your credentials. I mean, you're looking at your bio is just like, but we don't have all day. So I wanted to spend the episode talking about flipping. But you're you're really a credentialed attorney, a very successful attorney in Maryland. And, you know, wish you all the best in your, you know, in your election run for register of wills.
1: Well, thank you so much, Patty. It's been a sheer joy to be with you today. I really did enjoy it.
0: Well, thank you so much. And I'll have to have you on again uh, at a future date. And we can talk about uh, some title insurance and some other real estate related questions that you can help uh, help my listeners with. I would love uh, that. Yeah. So, well, thanks again, Mark. And this wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show, where we're keeping it real in real estate. So until next time.